Every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m., WRFL invites you to office hours, real-world conversations with UK professors. No appointment necessary. Representing the 16 colleges across campus, Office Hours brings professors from every corner of UK to share their adventures in academia. Go beyond the syllabus to learn more about the people behind the research. We'll be demystifying higher education one interview at a time. Stop by every Wednesday afternoon. Office Hours is available online via wrfl.fm or on the airwaves on 88.1 FM, Radio Free Lexington. And you are listening to WRFL 88.1 Lexington, Kentucky. This is Office Hours, like it is every Wednesday from 2 to 3. Uh, thanks to Elizabeth for doing her usual bang-up job on her show. And then if you stay tuned at 3 o'clock, you'll hear Dan Wu and the Culinary Evangelist Show and learn more about food than you could ever imagine. And you'll probably get hungry, too. I, I would recommend not listening to that show on an empty stomach kind of like the same kind of rule about shopping and you know on an empty stomach yeah. maybe even listening to this show might be dangerous on an empty, if, stomach. On an empty stomach i'm not sure maybe. Yeah, that, that's why i always <laughs> that's why i always have a pocket full of like uh skittles, like skittles and, and stuff <laughs> in my pocket and so is chicken and a biscuit crackers mm, one of brian's favorite biscuit yeah. crackers <laughs> one of the greatest things that uh has been put upon this earth in the last hundred or so years. I think you're on your own with that, but (laughs) (laughs) it's a very unique thing to you. Um, So without further ado, let's get uh, the show rolling because we have much more important people than me babbling um, that have much more interesting things to say. So Sarah, (laughs) take it away. That's quite a lead. All right. Uh, Hello. I'm Sarah Schutze, your host of Office Hours on WRFL. 88.1 Radio Free Lexington. We have... We'll have two guests with us today, but we have one in the studio at the moment, Professor Kira Hunting, and we're so glad you could join us. This is a terrible time for academics this time of year, so um, we're just so happy you're here. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, Kira. Well, thank you so much for having me. So I'm a new faculty member here at University of Kentucky. I recently um, got my PhD at UW-Madison, so, you know, Final Four was a very interesting oh, time right. very in my, much on my Facebook page. It was a very stressful Facebook time for me. <laughs> I do media arts and studies here, so some of the classes I've been teaching is Introduction to the Media Industry, Media Criticism, where we watch lots of television and mm. talk about why it's awesome and awful and all of those things at the same time. Yeah. Um, and next semester, I'm going to be kicking off a seminar in kids' media, so we can sort of really oh, think about why kids' media is sort of this understudied, under-understood part of the media industry, but economically, it's so crucial to the media industry, and also, if you have never spent, like, a Saturday afternoon watching Phineas and Ferb or My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, regardless of your age, you are missing out. Oh. Speaking of food, that is a very good thing to do with, like, junk food and a rainy day. Is to watch My Little Pony. It's pretty Friendship awesome. Is the new one, Friendship new is Magic, <laughs> where there's, like, um, it's from the person who did the Powerpuff Girls, and there's lots of, like, very strange songs in it, so hmm. it's a it's quite the thing. Um, so we're doing that in the fall as That's well. pretty cool. That. That's really cool. And on the goal of not watching this class, on I'm watching watching this class. See, end of the semester, I don't yeah. even know where I am anymore. <laughs> um, listening to this show on an empty stomach. I've loved being here at Lexington, especially because I can finally get properly made grits because you don't they don't do that in Wisconsin. 
No, they don't no, know how to make grits. No, you it's may a wonderful not even place, find but, them. <laughs> <laughs> but grit making is not the specialty. But that's right. That's something Kira and I sort of nerded out about at the beginning uh, before we got on the air. It's just we we both have some some Wisconsin or at least North Midwestern roots. You're yeah. originally from Michigan. Did your graduate work in? in uh, Wisconsin and I'm if you can't tell from my accent originally <laughs> from Wisconsin I think yeah. I've I've sufficiently lost the uh, accent I think it's mostly gone yeah, yeah yeah might come back when I go back but <laughs> um so wh- what got you interested in doing media studies that's a really complicated question for me um because I feel like I was always interested in it I just didn't know it was a thing I could mm-hmm. do uh, the joke that we tell is that in high school, I was very obsessed with this show called Queer as Folk um, mm-hmm. at the time. And it was something that uh, a lot of the volunteer organizations I was working with were showing and a lot of my friends and I were watching together. And the joke that we always made is when I went to undergrad, I was supposed to be going into creative writing. But all I really wanted to do was explain why this and the other television shows that I loved were important and great and people should be watching them. And so I took a cinema studies class sort of for fun and then discovered that that was what I was really interested in. But when I sort of like work back, like we all do, we get to a certain point in our lives and we're like, where did I come from? Right. How, how did I get here? Um, as an L, even as a kid, I was always really interested in TV and my parents would fight how much of it I would watch, but like sneak back in to watch it, but not just watch it, to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I always thought like how TV and film became, how I sort of learned about the world as a kid was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And when I went to undergrad, I just wanted to learn more about that process. Mm-hmm. What were some of your favorite things to watch growing up, other than aside from Queer as Folk? Oh, that's so tough. Um, so when I was really little, oddly enough, it was this show called Sisters, which I think is why. Yes, I remember that show. It yeah, was so it was good. like a Saturday night show or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was like this prime time yeah. soap from 91 to 96. Um, and it was actually the same people who made Queer as Folk, which I didn't realize until oh. years and years later, because this was my mother's favorite show. They're totally inside yeah. your head. Yeah, they're, they totally they <laughs> understand who I am. My theory is I loved Queer as Folk because I was raised on Sisters, because I was probably like I was very young. I had been like seven years old when the show came out, mm-hmm. and I had no business watching it, but my mother would watch it with me. Anyways, um, yeah, it's a little. It's about it's these adult raising, women, yeah. and, um, and, and it was really, it was a really formative show. Like who I wanted to be as a woman came a lot out mm-hmm. of out of watching that show originally. And then at a certain age, I was kind of interested in why I can't watch it anymore. So if you're listening, and you're like. So I've never heard of Sisters I Want to Watch It. I wish you a hearty good luck. Um, cause Can you not find it? You cannot it? find it. Really? It's not on DVD. It's not streaming on Netflix. We have this theory that, like, now you can get anything. Yes, that's they're peculiar. They're rebooting everything. But for some unknown reason, it has not yet made it through. And, and Time Warner keeps on saying that it's not going to. So really? We'll see. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if, even, like, 30-something was sort of a, kind of in the similar yeah. vein of that sort of show. 30-something you can get now. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. And there's usually a story behind it. Um, yeah. For the longest time, you couldn't get Wonder Years. Now you can because of the music, in part, because the oh. music, like, getting the licenses for the music is really possible. But I don't know what Producers or any actors, actresses that would want to block it? I can't imagine why. I mean, Celia Ward, I think, got a Emmy for it, or at least was omina- nominated for one. Susie Kurz did great stuff on it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. She was great. I'm try- I vaguely re- I'm remembering the show, but, like, yeah. pieces are coming back. I used to watch a babysitting, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> See? Inappropriate yeah. childhood watching. Right. We, we all do I mean, that. They, the kids were in bed. Sure <laughs> they were. Um, 
coolest babysitter ever. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. not at all, actually. <laughs> but the writers, since they make Queer as Folk, Queer as Folk is out on DVD. It's sure. on Netflix. That's everywhere. Yeah. So it's one of those great mysteries that maybe someday we'll find. The, the, it'll come out, and then the reason will be told. But right now, it's like this this like ever never ending search where sisters how will I find them someday <laughs> someone has it if you were listening and you have a VHS copy in your basement yeah. I want it send it to me you never know you, you never, never know. know people yeah. have a, a peculiar collections of things like that certainly and then what else do I love um, when I was really little I was obsessed with Tiny Teen Adventures that my students don't know and that makes me really sad mm-hmm. and Muppet Babies oh yeah the, yeah the two yeah. things Muppet Babies also not available on DVD oh apparently I had a really good t- like a really good ability to zero in on the things I would never be able to find again <laughs> they're frozen in time, in time yeah Probably one of the reasons I still think of them so fondly is that right, I that's, that's actually a, it's actually to your benefit. Is it? it is? Yes. Yeah, to have to have your show that you love like kind of frozen in that that's time. That's true. It, it never changes from being like the perfect thing that you want it to be. If you go back and watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's not as awesome as I remember. Yeah, it was yeah. often. It was the big disappointment of Friends. Like, when Friends became available and you mm-hmm. hadn't seen it for many years and you watch and you're like, oh, this was actually kind of transphobic and homophobic and awful. Yeah. And I didn't know any better because yeah. I was a teenager and it was the 90s and apparently nobody else knew any better. That's the thing. You get you you get advanced degrees in things and then perhaps not be able to enjoy them quite so much without, about, without Some those Some shows can transcend. I mean, yeah. it seems, at least... At least at least the viewing public would tell us such, like hmm. MASH or oh, yeah. Seinfeld or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But they kind of, you know, they still kind of have strong numbers through and through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people still go back to them all the time. Yeah. I mean, there are some things that are sort of, like, brilliant over time, right? Or become valuable from our new perspective on it. All the Norman Lear stuff, right? Like, that's very temporally specific, but it still holds up. You can still get a good experience watching All in the Family or anything mm-hmm. like that. Oh, yeah. I will say, people say that, but I think I love media more the more I study it. Mm-hmm. I'll get sick of individual things. I'll be like, I can never watch another crime drama episode ever again. After my dissertation, I need like a year to reacclimate <laughs> after watching so many crime dramas. Um, but by and large, I think the more I understand it, the more I like it, the more I get out of it. I, yeah, I don't ever I want that. my students being like, now that I know how to critique it, I hate everything. No, of course. <laughs> and that, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, I get that, of course. Yeah. yeah, We want them to love it more, right? We want them to also want more from the things that they love, to yeah. aspire for it to be even greater. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We have uh, reached our first break point, believe it or not. So Breaking stay tuned. Points. That's right. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> that should be our next, our crime drama. Yeah, Breaking Point. Yeah. It's about, I'm pretty sure there is one of those. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's a pretty... We're a radio host and a radio producer solve crimes. Mm-hmm. <gasps> mm-hmm. This, is, this is our new future. That's also happening as well. Probably. Like on the, in the whole podcast uh, oh right! Boom. Yeah. True. Serial. So, yep. Serial. Right. Yeah. Well, well, you know, we're just we are who we are. Sorry, it's not that exciting. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> but we'll be back. We're here on office hours and continuing with our guest, uh, Kira Hunting. Sarah, what's up over there? Well, <laughs> the distance that is the studio. What are you Where over there? Where are you? <laughs> All Mar- right. Marco. Marco Polo. 
<laughs> that's a good game. <laughs> I think that should be played outside of the pool more often. And also Netflix original. So you name it. We that's can right. Have, we can <laughs> that's find the television example for have it. Have you watched it? I have not really. Apparently no one else has oh. based on the Netflix viewing numbers that just came They're out. They're confused. Variety. They're expecting so. a pool game exactly. show. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and instead they get like a historical drama thing. Yeah. Nobody wants that. No. <laughs> <laughs> that time may have passed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have Game of Thrones. That's close enough to history. So. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and it's true. No. Exactly. <laughs> so we talked Not really. If not you're a historian at all. out there, I do know <laughs> that Game of Thrones is not historical. No. no. <laughs> there was a. Uh, you know the show Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? Yeah. There was once an episode where they were talking about. Uh, um, Star Trek in Paula Poundstone said, and it's true. It was just the timing was hysterical, and I've never forgotten that. So I try to build that in, but this it takes too long to explain it, so it's not <laughs> funny anymore. But um, so we talked a little bit to you about about the at the beginning of the hour about TV shows that have been kind of influential into your interest in studying media and some of your your work currently and future work also has to do with with tv a tv and but media studies is is much broader than just that so will you tell us a little bit about what that means and maybe what the what your program is doing with it yeah excellent so even my research um what i find a lot of us do is we wander in and out of different kinds of media as they're doing something that interests us media studies often looks at film particularly in terms of like the industrial perspective of film cultural perspective, how film gets made, how it becomes global, all these diverse things. Video games have been a really huge growing part of media studies, a growing part of my work, and a growing part of our department, giving students the opportunity to understand how the video game industry works, yeah. why it's important, how to make video games. Um, Gamergate, which has just exploded, I think everybody's news in the fall, just demonstrates how significant video games are culturally and how important it is to understand both them as an industry that a lot of our students want to go into and we're trying to encourage, but also as a cultural thing and a community thing and that people need to find a way to become a part of or better cater to the audiences that we have. And there's a lot of classes. I know people who integrate game studies into their classes as well. I don't, I know very little yeah. about, about game studies, but do you do, you do any of that? Yeah, so yeah. Um, in my classes, I try and interweave it with my media industries class in particular okay. because it's entirely unextrapolable. I mean, you can't just you just can't extract it. So now, now if you're planning a film or you're planning a TV show, thinking about what your mobile game is going to be like, oh, thinking yeah. about how you're going to partner with EA to have these extensions of you know the Avengers for video games is so much of what you do now to have a full package of of what your media product is going to be like. But we also have a number of faculty who teach things specifically about video games and specifically about. Um, their history, their industrial structure, all these different dimensions of how video games work. But I think one of the really complicated things about media in this moment is that, you know, I might do a project looking at just Orange is the New Black or just um, a, a show like Game of Thrones. But when you're really learning about it, you kind of have to understand a little bit of all of it. So many people now move through different areas of media during their career and through their viewing mm-hmm. consumption too, right? Whether or not you're just a casual viewer or hoping to go into the industry, getting that whole picture is really important. Especially now as we see the rise of social media and yeah. internet media. There's also a lot of opportunities in our department and somewhat a part of my classes 
Alyssa, my particularly, and some other colleagues to think about how social media works and how you can use it and how important it is um, in terms of students' goals and careers now as well, too. Social media has become part of activism. It's become yeah. part of advertising. It's become you know, part of news in a lot of ways as well. So really having a good handle on social media is something that I think media studies is trying to adapt and grow and deal with every mm-hmm. day, every semester. And the recent events from this week that ha- the things that ha- are happening in Baltimore and happened earlier in the week, the riots and protests and um, a lot of that was was portrayed and and took place through social media, really. Yeah. And I think that social media um, has the power, at least, to change the way that media represents some of these issues yeah. really powerfully. Um, simply in part, if nothing else, it's a matter of resources, right? If you are, yeah. if you're a media entity on the ground, you have to make choices about where you think the important things are going to be happening, and those choices are going to be shaped by what information you have available to you, what content you have, what you think your viewers of your major cable channel or um, radio show or whatever are going to be most interested in. And the rise of social media has provided the opportunity for people to say, I'm at a place, the media is known to be here, but they should. Something's happening here that's important. And then to take those images and share them mm-hmm. with hopefully the mainstream media picking it up and responding to it. Because even in the and the, the, in, the, in, the issues that we're talking about in Baltimore, the riots that began on Monday, stem from the Freddie Gray funeral. And, and even that, his arrest and his injuries were videotaped yeah. from somebody's phone and then distributed. So it's that whole, this is kind of a, a crucible of, of social media in a lot of ways. Of social media, but also I think of the need to understand media more broadly. Yeah. Um, I was talking to some of my students today about this idea that we think about studying media because we're interested in the industry, we're interested in it being successful, and I think that's very important, and we prepare students for that. But I also, one of the reasons I got into studying media, other than just I wanted to prove to everyone that the things I like mattered, was I really came to believe that studying media is an ethical issue. It's a moral mm-hmm. issue. Um, that media is such a profound and important storyteller and disseminator of information, not just non-fictional yes, media, right. but fictional media as well in our culture, that hmm. understanding it is... It's cultural literacy, and it's, to me, somewhat of an actual moral responsibility. Um, And I think something like this really brings that to light, being able to watch Fox and MSNBC and CNN and understand why you're seeing something totally different. Um, Last night, thanks thanks to TiVo or DVR, I was able to watch what MSNBC was showing at 9 and what Fox was showing at 9 and what CNN was showing, and those are three entirely different stories. Um, and there are stories that you're not going to necessarily understand how different they are unless you also understand why those channels have different audiences, why they have different infrastructures, how their industrial processes differ. And all that stuff sounds really wonky, but the outcome yeah. is something that really matters socially, right? Whether or not you're telling the story, as MSNBC was really fond of repeating, of some of the gang members who had gotten together to try and limit the violence, sort of literally stand between protesters and cops and say, hey, calm down. Or Fox, who kept on repeating the story about a mom who had gone out into the streets and mm-hmm. like grabbed her kid by the cuff and hit him upside the head and dragged him back inside. And how mm-hmm. each one chose their sort of like icon, their person to keep going back to. And of course, 
you know, for neither one, it was just this individual. These were just two that were so extreme that they that they struck me. And we're not telling that other person's story very much at all on their channel. Really, is something that I think it's important for us to be equipped to notice and then equipped to understand why it's happening and why it matters. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. I think we'll take another short break and we'll come back and keep talking about about the uh, politics of social media and, and media studies than wherever else it takes us. So come I'm, on back. I'm even ready this time. You are? With, with music. I'm proud of you. Uh, TV on the radio. Excellent. See, so yeah. it, it didn't take me long. No, you're a man on, with a fing his finger on the button. Yeah, <laughs> quite literally. Back more with Office Hours in a minute. And Office Hours, and we will continue now with our conversation with Kira Hunting and the host with the most, Dr. Sarah Schutze. Thank you for that. And Dr. Kira Hunting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Kaki Urch made it quite a point of emphasizing our, our degrees last time. So we're, we're yeah, giving her it. a shout out today and continuing that. Um, but we don't need to reenact the, the doctor, <laughs> yeah, doctor scene doctor. from, <laughs> from spies like us. Um, mm -hmm. But we just had a fascinating conversation over the break about Pretty Little Liars and and um, and Veronica Mars a little bit too. So uh, we've put Kira to work even <laughs> on the break. <laughs> so before the break, though, we were talking about the impact of social media. Oh, I keep saying social media, and I'm I, I, that's you know I guess my association with with media studies perhaps is yeah. like I don't know. It, it, social media seems like so super hip, you know that yeah. like media is almost almost like uh, taken for granted. Perhaps yeah. just that's just me, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's for a lot of people, and there's a lot of important work being done there. You know, I do some work on social media from time to time because mm -hmm. interesting things happen there, but maybe I'm square, but I still think that, like, film and television and video games are really important. Absolutely. Um, in part because if you compare it to something like, I don't know, physics, I think most of us know before we start taking physics classes that we don't know much about physics at least Amen. I know I don't know <laughs> to this day I don't know much about physics I have a friend who's a physicist and he tries to explain things to me and I That's smile nice. and, yeah. and nod and drink another beer um, but in media we all come into it with so much experience that I think that sometimes we can take yeah. for granted all the things that we think we know but don't know about film or television in particular and how that feeds back to the way we deal with social media, for example. One of the most interesting things that happened in terms of social media in Baltimore for me were these tweets that were starting to emerge that a colleague of mine, Ashley Hink, just wrote something up about talking about The Wire and was like, hey, fans of The Wire, where are you? Right. <laughs> right? Fans of The Wire, why aren't you taking this interest that you had at the time about the economic struggles and the, you know, legal system in Baltimore and bringing it to the fore at this moment, which I thought was a really yeah. interesting use of multiple intersections of media, right? The, both how social media itself started this conversation, but how that conversation was rooted in a kind of more traditional media that yeah. contextualized what was happening for a lot mm -hmm. of people. So where, where, what's your theory on where are the, the, the wire folks, the wire oh. fans? I mean... I would like to believe that they're watching news and invested in their own distant way. It's very hard to tell if people are, are actually invested, but I think in general, there's a potentially a safeness in experiencing media and a privilege in the ability 
for a lot of people to watch a depiction of someone else's life and struggle that they're not engaging in that hopefully media studies can like make us think mm -hmm. about and aware of and that's a whole other thing for saying let's drop everything and go to Baltimore and be in this situation right. I right. mean you know I can talk about this and my concern, but at the same time, I'm here grading, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have to think about that, too. Like, the way we get cultural capital or enjoyment out of watching these texts and experiencing these struggles, and can we sort of remember that when we're trying to understand or talk about or think about or have a vocabulary to help or deal with sort of real-world things that happen in the communities that are being depicted? Mm -hmm. Oh, before the last break, you mentioned you used the phrase fictional media and non-fictional media. Yeah, and I've never heard that distinction before, but it makes perfect sense, right? You know, the 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 wire is clearly fictional media, and news coverage is that non-fictional media? Is it? I don't you know, know if the journalists yeah. would love me for framing it that way. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, mean, I think we can think about the way that documentaries and news and other things that reality television that lay a claim to reality of course those are stories too mm -hmm. right of course those are all still made of choices and, and constructed things but they're at least presenting themselves and to a great deal are based on something that's directly in the real world and they're using the people who are in the real world and the images of the real world mm -hmm. um, whereas fictional media which overlaps a lot with entertainment media is a little different, right? We're sort of constructing our worlds, even if it is. So when we think about The Wire, to be clear about it, is of course The Wire was never real Baltimore, right? Mm -hmm. It was always a construction of an image of Baltimore that served a storytelling purpose. And when that butts up against real Baltimore, that can create a lot of problems for people, a lot of tensions and anxieties, and what to do with that thing that we felt in theory, but have trouble translating into, into a real world experience. I think that's important because a lot of times, and I guess this is part of why people are so excited to work with social media and news, and of course those are incredibly important things, um, a lot of times I think we can assume that fictional media, entertainment media is just for fun and therefore yeah. it's not important. Um, mm -hmm. But when we look at how much time people actually spend with these things that are just for fun, that's where a lot of my work is thinking about how that's really important and what we're seeing without necessarily always noticing when we spend that time mm -hmm. in these fictional worlds. And either either whether it's fictional or non-fictional, there's still questions of representation, yeah. whether it's the way that MSNBC represents the coverage or Fox or how different characters of, of color or of different genders are represented, right? It's... Even in those are still questions that are, that are pretty fluid, I would imagine, between those two Absolutely. categories. And not only do they both really have questions of representation, but those are representations that aren't, at least when we observe them, somehow not impacting each other, right? Mm -hmm. We're not totally able to have them in little silos. So when we see a street or when we see a scene go down, even when we just see a cop in a uniform, subconsciously we're like indexing that to all the cops that we've seen in films yeah. or TV shows and news reports and social media images and the real world, and that goes together. Um, there was some great research done a little while back by a scholar named Dr. Jones who talked about how people, you would think that people were really good at separating out what they'd seen that was news and what they'd seen that was fiction. Mm -hmm. And certainly they knew the difference, but when it came to like giving examples or talking about political issues, 
people tend to reach for both sets of examples. Interesting. More evenly. I saw RoboCop in in Baltimore yesterday. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah, he was there. He was. (laughs) Lending a hand? Those are the the things that blur with people. Uh (laughs) (laughs) RoboCop in Baltimore. Where does RoboCop take place? Uh, It's a stumper. I don't know. The new one, I think, was a very tall building. Oh. <laughs> it was inside the center of a very tall building. Was it, was it really? I See, think, you know. Or, oh, no. I think, or I'm confusing it with another one of the so- similar sci-fi remakes. Because everything's know. getting remade now. That's so. true. Do you know Poltergeist is getting remade? Poltergeist. And the little girl's name is not Carol Ann. It's Maddie. I have strong feelings about this. <laughs> Clear, clearly you do. <laughs> I do. I mean, really, that yeah. little girl was freaky yeah. as could be, yeah. you know? I think I saw today that Gremlins is considering is what? considering a reboot, too. Yeah. Wow. That's just nuts. Where, it, where do you draw the line? It is you nuts. Know? <laughs> well, I was joking with one of my friends that we should just have, like, a year free of reboots. Um, yes. One year where you are forced to make decisions that are not a reboot. <laughs> um, and I... But at the same time, that's like me as a TV watcher saying, no, it's enough. I want to see new things. But me as like a media studies person, we'd want to tell our students why there are so many reboots. And there are really good reasons. And yeah. they should be equipped to make those choices as they go forward. Is so, there a movie you'd like to see conflict. rebooted? Brian, you can chime in on this, too. No, I don't want to. I have a movie I would like to see rebooted as a TV show. Oh, what's that? I would like to see Empire Records as a TV show. Oh, yeah. It would yeah. have to be a period piece because record stores are not <laughs> right. many anymore. That's true. But that was like speaking of formative media from my youth. That was like one of the films for a long time. Uh, you could, you, you know, Records. City Central, we could still have that crew, mm-hmm. you know, still kind of be influential on the on the scripting. That's right. <laughs> I'm sure that my husband works there, as you know, yes. so, on, on weekends, so uh-huh. I'm sure you'd have plenty of things to say. There was a, um, a, a blog that went around a few months ago uh, from somebody who worked at a record store for many years and had documented all the kooky yeah. things people said. It, Google it, because it's just, it's hysterical. The questions people would ask and yeah. then the comments people would, would, uh, would, would say or make on the phone or in person. See, I just think it would be so great, right? Yeah, like I think you're, you're on something. You're getting people in the most, like, bizarre moment of their life when they're going to have interesting things that they're doing and trying all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not in colleges, which clearly does not work as a television trope. Every time people try and do it, it, it fails. Or, I mean, hmm, someone will do it right, but so far it's yeah. been a hard road. And you have, like, you can bring in live bands, which I think makes all television shows better. <laughs> um, and, you know, new crazy customers. That, mm-hmm. that, would be my, that would be my remake of choice. Empire th- Records should brilliant. totally be a TV show. I that's really, I think that's a great move. We'll contemplate this question over the break. <laughs> and we'll be right back with more Office Hours on 88.1 WRFL Radio Free Lexington. Back on office hours on WRFL 88.1 Radio Free Lexington. Last second, happy to have our other guest here. Um, Betsy Beamer Ferris is here. Hello. (laughs) Welcome, Betsy. Here you go. Here's your mic. Betsy's joining us with Kira Hunting. She has has a look of of, um, stunnedness at the moment. And that's okay because, uh, you know, things happen in the world where you, like, you know, are... 
have a miscommunication, which we may have had, and that's fine. It's um, also at but the end a, of the semester where everybody yeah, sort of has oh a gosh. stunned expression on their face. <laughs> that is completely true. Yeah. But that's not to say that we won't still have an excellent 10 minutes with Betsy right now. And it's going to be superb. So uh, even before even Sarah asks, I mean, just introduce yourself, uh, what you do here at the university, and we'll take it from there. Hey, yeah, I I have a stunned look on my face because I thought we were starting at three, um, and it's two forty-five. You were very early, prompt for three. I so was. We appreciate yeah. It. Um, no, I'm a new faculty in the Department of Geography, and uh, I was hired as a political ecologist in the department. So my work is focused on East Africa and Tanzania, and I look at the nexus between people and their environments and the politics of those interrelationships and the theories by which we understand ecological change and social change. Are you finishing up some classes right now? I am teaching a what political teaching? ecology class at the 400 level with 24 amazing students. So it's been my first semester teaching and um, and it, I couldn't be more impressed by these students really. They, they have shown just great enthusiasm, uh, uh, a great um, excitement for the field, and have taught me a lot through the semester. That's, so that's been a really great way to kind of yeah. introduce myself to the university and really get inspired by these um, students that I'm working with. That's high praise sure. at this point in the semester. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really lucky. Those are lucky students. I, I you feel can really that. lucky. Yeah, that's impressive. So we that's sat impressive. outside yesterday and reflected on the class, um, and oh, wow. you know, it just ended up being a really great experience. So. That's incredible. And hopefully, I created um, inspiration in them to continue looking at some of these issues as they. Well, it sounds like you made an impression. Hopefully. If you can be, if you, if it's that positive at the end, yeah. at the tail end, and it's that's hard to pull off at this point. And what are you teaching in the fall? In the fall, I'm actually um, starting some new work on looking at feminist understandings of uh, human society relationship, human environment relationships. So I'll be teaching a 300 level. Um, right now, it's um, in the Environmental and Sustainability Studies program, ENS 300 on gender and the environment. And I'm really excited about this class because it's a new area of research for me and it's something I'm really passionate about and looking at how we understand class, race, gender, um, and its relationships to the environment and sort of access and control over resources and why are women marginalized in the developing world and where is their voice and how do we understand that and how is that communicated. And then I'll be teaching a graduate level seminar on a similar topic, um, just including more development um, focus into that. So gender, environment, and development studies at the 700 level. So I'm really excited about Excellent. both of those classes. Yeah. So this is um, a kind of an interesting intersection of, of worlds. Because you work with cultures and people and, and mm -hmm. also ecology, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. then Kira works with media so that it's a it's a, a really interesting intersection do you work yeah. at all with with any like anything like media related yeah that's kind of an unfair question no but. we do I, I mean uh in our work we certainly um you know have invited journalists uh from in Tanzania to come and cover some of the research um, that we've done and in, uh, invited them to these places and actually coordinated um, journalists with villagers um, and translated for the villagers so that they could talk about and articulate their experiences living in areas prioritized for conservation. And so those 
um, journal, those media outlets has given them a voice on a platform in Tanzania. So they've been published in Tanzania news outlets and then also globally. So some of the articles have been published in Norway, where I also work part of the time, mm -hmm. and then um, in England, and basically about some of the debates that people are having about what is conservation, why, what are we conserving, mm -hmm. who are we conserving it for, and what are the implications of that. And so, um, yeah, and I actually wrote a piece, um, a media story, in, and it had to be translated in Norwegian for the Norwegian um, media about my work because I was having a, a big debate with an international conservation organization. And that was a really interesting process because they kept saying, you need to rewrite this so that, you know, your audience can really understand what you're saying mm -hmm. and, you know, don't use too much jargon. And um, it was a difficult process to do um, because it's hard to articulate yourself in a way that everyone can understand you when you're using these sophisticated Absolutely. Kind of theoretical ideas. So I think it's something more academics need to be doing. Mm -hmm. and, um, well, and I think that a lot yeah. of what you're talking about is actually really yeah. interesting and important to what is happening in the media, too. Um, one of the projects that I'm working on with a colleague is studying the Ian Summerholder Foundation, which is a conference conservation oh. um, and environmentalist organization mm -hmm. that's based on this celebrity who's on a teen show called The Vampire Diaries and he's involved with Greenpeace <laughs> and he's involved with all these yeah. organizations to sort of translate environmentalist and conservation issues to his fans, to basically just these media oh. fans. Mm -hmm. The global thing as well, um, my students find their own little case studies for their media industries class and like post about them and write about them and blog about them. And one of my students came to me with the coolest thing, which is a co-production happening um, in Africa of Desperate Housewives Africa using actresses oh, wow. from all over, set in more of an urban environment, but trying mm -hmm. to sort of re-articulate that show in an African context. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's an incredible overlap. Yeah. When the student posted, I was like, this is the best thing. <laughs> Speaking of students, like, finding things that teach you, and you're like, oh, my yeah. God, I have to do this all the time now. Yeah. 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 The overlaps between, I mean, people, I think, tend to think of Africa as somehow apart from this entertainment media context, right. but it's actually a really rich site for a lot of new things that are happening. Yeah, certainly. And geography as well. It's, mm -hmm. It was really kind of at the forefront of, right. of maybe not media, but digital research, digital projects. It's it's really kind of the, the cutting edge field these days. It is. And our department actually um, is at the forefront of that, which I think is really exciting. Mm -hmm. We have a new program called New Maps Plus, mm -hmm. and um, it's one of the first in the country. And I think that they, you know, they're thinking about social media and they're thinking about you know all these different complexities and then mapping them in ways that um, are at the forefront of the field so mm -hmm. this is the place to be mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. want to be looking at some of those things so I'm sure they'll connect with other yeah. scholars on campus yeah that, would, that makes perfect sense it's an interesting connection between the two mm -hmm. so we um, we're reaching the end of our of our hour and also the end of our of our season, if you will, of officers. We have one more show next next week, but it's also the end of your semesters, right? Hooray, celebration <laughs> for everyone, I'm sure. What what kinds of projects are you working on over the summer? Do you get to just spend some time relaxing? Do you have research trips or anything like that scheduled? Um, 
So what about leaving, I think? I think I'm staying here to work, but I'm sort of shifting my work now to kids' media. Um, it's primarily been on like crime dramas, medical dramas, adult shows up until now, and I'm starting a new class in kids' media that I'm really excited yeah. about and wanting to look at that in terms of how kids' media becomes an important side of representation, but also how really interesting aesthetic and technological experiments are happening there. Part of what our department's been engaged in is trying to expose our students to how things like video games and social media become a part of other kinds of media and a part of, as you're mentioning, communication on all different levels. And so I'm really exploring that with kids media this summer with a couple projects about Phineas and Ferb and mm -hmm. um, about how kids media are using mobile apps. Yeah, great. And then I'll be um, traveling back to Tanzania and oh. doing some research, like I was saying earlier, um, looking at feminist kind of theories of understanding um, these gendered relationships to the environment. Yeah. And also, I do a lot of human rights work right now, so I'm looking at um, how human rights are conceptualized in these spaces and how they're asserted and articulated by seemingly disenfranchised groups and how they articulate them at different scales from the national scale all the way up to the UN level. Because you, and you're going back to Tanzania this summer, but in, yeah. you've been going, you've been going for a long time, how many years? Fifteen. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah, and so yeah. Um, going back to that time, why Tanzania in the first place and how has it maybe evolved or changed in those 15 years as yeah. you've seen it? Well, I always tell my undergraduates that they should study abroad if they have the yes. ability and the capacity because that's how it all started, as I did not study away and wanted to end up doing research there as an undergraduate and had that opportunity. And I think um, that's also important as faculty is to think about incorporating undergraduates mm -hmm. into our research mm -hmm. curriculum and, you yes. know, in ways that are innovative yeah. for them and provide them with these spaces to go see the world and then figure out what's what they're most passionate about. So mm -hmm. that's how it all started way back when. <laughs> <laughs> and then here you are. Yeah. <laughs> and how long will you be there this summer? This summer, not as long as usual. It'll be about a month. Um, yeah, so, but it'll be long enough to get some hopefully good uh, field work in and do some work and meet some colleagues there yeah. and, you know, build my relationships with these people that I have. And they're really excited because I had a baby and mm. they're ready to uh, see me as a mother, you know. Are you bringing which your, your baby with I'm you? Not, I'm not, but it's more, I'm, I'm, you know, they're really excited to see that I had a baby and I'm, you know, <laughs> legitimated as a mother. You know, they're pretty thrilled to see that. Yeah, so that'll that. be neat. They've known you for years and years. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, we'll have to have you come back. And yeah, tell us about your oh my trip, goodness, perhaps in the fall. Yeah, for sure. And your um, your research that you've yeah. done there. Yeah. Thank you, both yeah. of you, Betsy and Kira, for joining us during again a very busy time of the semester for everybody. <laughs> Office Hours is produced in cooperation with WRFL and the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Kentucky. This broadcast theme song is Sandu, performed by Hugo Drupi Contini and provided by the Free Music Archive.